Hi, it's Rola Ke. Hi, it's Shade. Welcome to this week's episode of The Other Side of the Atlantic. This week's episode is episode four, and it's on very, very bad bosses and travel mishaps. So Shade, how are you doing? How was your week? I'm good. Uh, my week was good. It was really tough. Work was um, kicked me in the butt this week. A lot going <laughs> on. <laughs> There's just a lot going on. Um, it's our busy time, um, our planning time. And in between all of this, um, I'm getting a new boss. So <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, it's a bit nerve wracking. Um, I do hope that the person that is chosen um, is someone within our team who I already have a really good rapport with. Um, and she's a, the likely choice, but you never know with these organizations and how they decide to uh, move. So it's a bit nerve wracking to have someone come in right in the middle of our busiest time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going through similar. So I got a new boss two weeks ago, um, mm. which I think I last week. Yeah. Um, and it is going very well. Um, he's the new CCO and he's based in the UK. And, and we've both got similar backgrounds. So there's a good natural um, chemistry and rapport, but it's been very intense. So my last week was just as intense as the week before because I'm bringing him up to speed um, and we're actually launching a new pro- product in the middle of this lockdown, and I'm managing the whole team here in Nigeria. So, yeah, it's been a lot. Um, and it must be tough just because you're launching something right in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> it's tough. It's very tough. Yeah. And they're managing a brand new boss who yeah. you know, isn't aware of, you know, the details of what we're launching. But, yes, but it's because, because sometimes you have to manage our bosses. <laughs> Thank you. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Um, sometimes we have to manage our bosses, even though they're meant to be man- managing us. But um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so true. And then, you know, now I'm the boss of a team and, you know, a whole country team. I'm also learning a lot about what it means to be a good and a bad boss. So, yeah, yeah so that leads us very nicely into this week's topic, which is um, the main topic is on very, very bad bosses. So based on all the blow-ups that have been going on during um, lockdown, um, what Shadi reported on last week of the Bon Appetit editor leaving, we're going to talk about the scandal that's facing Anna Wintour, the editor of Vogue, and also speak a bit about what happened at Fox a few years ago that has been documented by so many TV shows, The Morning Show, Succession, um, everything that happened there with the sexual scandals. And this week's wild card, we're going to be talking about travel mishaps. So um, we've all missed traveling these past few months. um, And thinking about all of our fun adventures abroad also made us think about all the mishaps we've had. So we're going to talk about getting detained by police and losing um, items (laughs) and and just overall funny things that have happened to us while we've traveled um, abroad. Um, so that should be very interesting. Malaka and I have some very interesting stories to share with you guys. I can't wait for that segment. But um, let's get into the episode and we'll begin with the What I'm segment. So welcome to our What I'm segment. Um, in this segment, we let you know what, what we've been up to in the past week, what we've been watching, reading, following on the news, um, and generally what we've been into in the past week. 
So I will start with what I've been watching. So um, I was going to talk about um, Knives Out with Daniel Craig. Um, I saw it on Amazon Prime this week, but I will save it till next week um, because I saw an even better movie. Um, it's called Brick Lane. It's also on Amazon Prime. And I just happened to stumble uh, up across it. Uh, Brick Lane is about a Bangladeshi family in London in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it's a really interesting story. It has like, you know, you see the, the changing tides of like the British population. They talk a lot about like um, just, uh, so they're in a segmented area with most other um, Asian families. Um, but um, one of the things that, you know, happens in the movie is September 11th happens. Um, and you see some of the Muslims kind of fighting back. Some of these people who have, you know, were British born and raised and viewed, viewed themselves as British. And then once September 11th happened, the, the public started viewing themselves, started viewing them as non-British. And it just talks about like a lot of intersections of like race and poverty and gender dynamics. Um, I, I don't want to give a lot away because if I start talking, I'll like explain the whole entire movie. Mm -hmm. But it's a very good movie, highly recommended. Um, so it's a mother and a father. Um, the mother is the main character and they have two daughters. Um, and yeah. Um, it's a really, really good movie. I'm not going to give any of it away because I'll just start talking and never stop. Um, so I, that's what I watch. An honorable mention to Mama, I Made It by Yvonne Orji is her first stand-up uh, special. I watched it with a friend um, on Friday. Hilarious. Highly recommended. It's on HBO for those in the U.S. Um, but it's Yvonne Orji from Insecure, Nigerian-American, one of us, um, <laughs> uh, her first stand-up <laughs> special on HBO. Yeah. So, Balaka, what have you been watching? Yeah, so before I tell you about what I've been watching, I'm really keen to watch Brick Lane as well. It sounds brilliant. And I've heard of the book for years. It's a really old book by Monica Ali. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, one of the books that I've wanted to read. It's along the lines of that immigrant literature of yeah. Bangladeshis, Pakistanis, Indians, Nigerians, Ghanaians in England. So it sounds really good. So what I watched just last night, actually, was a movie called Official Secrets. And it's starring um, Karen Knightley um, uh, and Ralph Fiennes and um, the guy from, um, oh gosh, I forgot what other stuff he's in, but he's called Matt Smith. Uh -huh. And it's a British film. And it's fantastic. It's so good. It's about the Iraq war and it's about a GCHQ um, agent. And GCHQ is um, it's like a... It's not a branch of MI6 or 5, but it's a um, British government agency that does okay. top secret work. And it's about this um, woman gathering gun. It's a true story hmm. who uncovers this plot by the American government <laughs> to, to find secret information on UN Security Council members, um, secret information to like um, bribe them or blackmail them to agree to the Iraq war. Wow. Because the Iraq war, yeah, would have been illegal unless the UN Security Council passed a new resolution. Wow. Film is, it's so intricate. And, you know, all of this, I can kind of spoil the end of the story because <laughs> you follow the news or you're a bit aware the, the Iraq war, in retrospect, was actually proven to be illegal yeah. because were, there was no proof of weapons of mass destruction. So it's a very intricately done movie so many details the dialogue is on point and it just shows the bravery of this woman 
who's like our age, working at GCHQ, and she leaks this document. And because of that, she breaches the Official Secrets Act. Oh. And she's liable to a lifetime in prison in wow. the UK. And it's just this book about power and bravery and courage. And it's really excellent. Uh, what streaming really platform is it on? Um, my mum bought it on Apple um, TV. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's where she bought it from. But I'm, I hope it's elsewhere. It came out last year. I think I did hear about it. Um, Keira Knightley is an excellent actress. She's extremely underrated. Um, but mm-hmm. she's a really, really good actress. So maybe I'll check it out. Agree. So I'm going to share a second film since I am not listening to anything. And it's also a Keira Knightley film. And <laughs> Shade is like she's a great actress because Keira Knightley is someone I've been hating on my whole life. <laughs> It's so funny who you, who you hate because you also hated Emily Sande until like I actually got you to listen to her songs. And oh my you gosh, you're such a helpful <laughs> friend. That's so funny. I hated Emily Sande and now I really, I don't love her. I like her and it's because I like her music. I, don't, I still don't love her. But yeah, Shade, you're so good at helping me overcome hatred. But Karen Knightley, the second film I want to talk about, I watched it last year and it just turned my heart towards her for good. I mean, she's a brilliant actress. I mean, the days when I used to hate her, I'm questioning myself. Why did I hate her so much? But she's really, she's either improved or I've changed. I don't know what's happened. But it's a movie called The Aftermath. It's another, um, I mean, it's based on history. So it's set in post-war Germany. Um, So it starts in 1945. And Keira Knightley's character, she goes to Hamburg to meet with her husband, who's a colonel of the um, British armed forces. And he's responsible for rebuilding Hamburg after the um, Second World War. And she goes to meet him there after years apart during the war. Um, And it's the story about this marriage that's broken and they've lost a son during the Blitz in London. And it's about um, all this pain and the really interesting part is that they move into the home um, because this is what happened after the Second World War. Um, the British Armed Forces requisitioned a house of a German um, like millionaire architect and they move into this man's home and very kindly of this British Armed Forces colonel, they say he can stay because most of the time they kick these people out. Can you like, you can stay in out. your own house. British won the war so they could have really done what they wanted they said he could stay and it's this story of um how they blend or not blend well with this man in his home there's love there's intrigue um I can't say too much but it's a very powerful film I cried several times during the film I actually saw the trailer I saw the trailer for that movie last year when I was in the theaters it looked really really good it's so good um, yeah. it's so powerful yeah. so, so Shadi, yeah i was I, gonna ask what you're listening to but please go on yeah before i get into what i'm listening to i actually just wanted to uh, mention another really good um Keira knightley movie it's called anna karenina um it is oh, i do like that film yeah it was really good um it was kind of uh, weird <laughs> Indeed, um, but it was really good. Um, so I really like that. So if you need another Karen Knightley recommendation for those who are listening, that's also another good one. 
so what I've been listening to, haven't been listening to anything new. Um, I've been, um, so J. Cole is one of my favorite artists. Um, and I've been listening to his For Your Eyes Only album. Um, like just literally for like the past month or two months, I kind of, um, I had my favorite songs. Um, and then I discovered just some songs that I usually would skip over. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's a nice little quarantine um, album. It's really introspective, talks about relationships and talks about like childhood and I, think um he's one of those rappers that's not afraid to kind of go into deep moments and talk about like I know his parents split up and his mom was like on drugs and kind of hearing a rapper be emotional and talk about things like that um it's really good so highly recommend it if you haven't listened to it um for your eyes only sounds so, really good yeah so Relake, have you been following anything in the news uh, no, I have not. <laughs> I've stayed away, but I have been reading something um, briefly. So um, I've been reading Le Petit Prince. Well, not that much of it. Um, it was given to me by the guy um, I've gone on a few dates with. Mm. Um, so it's a detail because I've kind of struggled with the French, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, maybe next week I'll tell you more. So um, what have you been following? So I have been following, um, so there's two stories, one I will kind of go in a bit more detail about. So um, in the U.S., um, with the reckoning that's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and the, um, the resulting fallout from George Floyd's uh, death, um, a lot of companies have been looking internally to see kind of how they can better, um, better reflect on what's, you know, current. Um, and one of those things has been um, brand images. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, Aunt Jemima is a syrup um, and actually before we started recording I asked Alaka if she knew it because I didn't know if it kind of uh, was sold outside the US and she said she's aware of it so Aunt Jemima is a syrup um, that I grew up on a lot of people that I know grew up on um, and I, so the controversy is that um, the company um, so the company is owned by PepsiCo who owns Pepsi and all those other uh, big brands um, and they um, announced this week that they will change the image and the name of Angelima syrup. So Angelima was um, was derived from a, it's a mammy caricature. And a mammy is basically like a house slave, um, a woman um, that uh, took care of the, you know, the children, the, the family, cooked for the family. And her original image, um, I'm not sure when Angelima came out, um, but her original image was um, of a woman um, with like a slave uniform on essentially. And she got an, she got a few updates. Um, the one that was most, most notable was I think maybe about 10, 15 years ago where they kind of gave her <laughs> kind of like Jerry Curl kind of perm and um, she got rid of her slave scarf and her, uh, her slave uniform. Uh, and that's been the image that most people have known. And to be honest, since they kind of redone the image, I haven't had a problem with it, um, but I think because the origins of um, of the image and of the name, and I saw this week an ad um, that they used back in the day for Aunt Jemima, and it was so racist. Um, the woman was using like broken slave language. It was so bad. Wow. It was. So, I, I mean, maybe we can share it on our um, on, on our Instagram, but it was really, really bad. And I think it was at that moment that I was like, maybe I kind of understand why they changed. They want to go forward and change the image. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been following. And also, Uncle Ben's after um, Aunt Jemima announced that they would change their image. Uncle Ben's um, also announced that they would change their image as well. So a lot of brands um, that use black 
people, black slaves, servants in the past are now kind of doing internal reviews um, to change it. Yes, yeah. So um, we're adding a new segment into our What I'm uh, this week, um, and we're going to talk about what we're grateful for. Um, the coronavirus has made us do a lot of internal reflection, um, and we want to also let you guys know what the things that we've been grateful for uh, in the past week or just generally in our lives. So, Laka, do you want to start with what you're grateful for? Yeah, so I'm really grateful in the past week for a really capable team at work. Um, everyone's really pulling their weight, despite the scares of coronavirus and one of the drivers in our team lost um his mom it's been really stressful but everyone's really pulling their weight um so I'm, I'm really grateful for having a, a good team that I can rely on um and also I'm grateful for an amazing day at the beach so last <laughs> weekend I went to the beach and it was wonderful so relaxing and amazing so what are you grateful for Shadi? So I am grateful for <laughs> it sounds really silly but I'm grateful for food um, in that the kind of food that I'm able to buy. So I've always been a really picky eater um, growing up and even into my adulthood. Um, there's certain things I just won't eat. Um, like, well, like I know I don't drink tap water. She always made fun of me for this, but I just never, you know, and just kind of those funny things. Like for the longest time, I didn't eat eggs and like all these funny things. So I'm grateful for that. I'm able to buy the food that I like. I'm able to buy organic food. Um, I'm able to have a lot of grocery options. Um, I live in an area where I have a lot of um, farmer's markets and organic markets and just fresh food options. Um, and I, I, you know, it never gets lost to me that a lot of people may not have um, that luxury. So I'm, I've always just been glad that I've always been able to afford what I like to eat um, and buy the food that I like to cook. Yeah. That's great, so good. All right, so that is our what I'm section. Um, we're gonna get into our main topic next. So before that, we're gonna take a little break. So welcome to our main topic this week. It's on very, very bad bosses. So we've all had bad bosses in real life. So this week we wanted to talk about some of the famous bad bosses that have been circulating in the news. So Anna Wintour is in hot um, trouble right now and um, some news that happened a few years ago about the Fox uh, management team being accused of sexual harassment. So Shade and I are going to share these stories and give our views of what we would have done if we were in these organizations and how we would have dealt with these bosses. So Shade, do you want to go first? Yes. So the first story we're going to share is the story of Anna Wintour. Anna Wintour is an extremely popular uh, figure both in and out of fashion. Everyone knows who she is. Um, she is the creative director of the Met Gala, one of the most popular events in uh, New York. Um, so she has been the editor of U.S. Vogue for 32 years, and she's been the artistic Hi. director. <laughs> I know. I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> and she's been the artistic director of Condé Nast for, um, since 2012. Um, and in that time, she's been accused of bullying and, and really frosty behavior. One of the things that everyone knows about Anna Wintour is that she's very cold. Um, personality. She always yep. wears those big sunglasses, and this really has been amplified in one of my favorite movies, um, starring Anne, starring Anne Hathaway, The Devil Wears Prada, which was basically I love it. I know, which was basically uh, a story about an assistant who worked for Anna Wintour, um, and the documentary, the September issue. 
So um, because of all of this reckoning in the fashion and food industry that's happened because of the Black Lives Matter movement um, in the past few weeks, everyone's been examining microaggressions in these industries. And um, so former and current employees have been uh, speaking out about Anna Wintour's racist behavior, just her really just racist and just nasty behavior in general. Um, so following the exit of two senior editors, uh, one being Bon Appetit's senior editor, Adam Rappaport, which we spoke about last week, um, people are now looking at management and the head of management um, for Condé Nast, which one of those figures are, is uh, Anna Wintour. So people have been talking about her bullying um, and her microaggressions against Black employees. Um, and recently she put out a letter um, stating that she wants to apologize for all of um, the past behaviors and admitting that she hasn't found enough, um, she and Vogue haven't found enough ways to elevate um, Black employees and give uh, space to Black editors, writers, photographers, and designers. And she's promised to kind of correct past behavior. Uh, one of the no most notable um, people that have spoken out against her is her former confidant and senior editor at Vogue, Andre Leon Talley, who is one of my faves. Um, he is like a giant, he's like seven foot one, 70 year old black man who's been in the fashion for a very, very long time. So I'm giving you that content. He's gay and black. I love him. And he's big, he's big and he's black. He's everything that fashion tells you not to be. And he is. Exactly. And he does it fabulously. And I absolutely love him. Um, he was also in a few episodes of America's Next Top Model. <laughs> um, but he wrote a book earlier this year, basically detailing all of her really nasty and racist behavior and her microaggressions. Um, and he, one of the things that he mentioned that really stuck out to me was that he would give, um, give interviews uh, for Vogue and be paid $500 per episode. This is like as notable of a figure as Anna Wintour being paid five hundred dollars. Chicken change. It's chicken change. Mm. It's chicken change for him. Mm -hmm. Um so when he the funny thing is I read a few articles after he published that book and everyone was talking about, oh he's just he's just um scorned and he's just, you know, being a bully. And when everything kind of came out with this whole Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement, everyone was kind of like, well maybe he wasn't lying. Um so I guess exactly. it I guess it took this uh, movement to kind of have people believe him um but yeah that's basically just of all that's been going on so everyone's looking to see whether Anna Wintour will remain um editor in charge of Vogue um and creative editor of of um of Condo Nast so it's been a week by week um kind of uh view to see if she's yeah because she's just for that uh, apology just last week yes. like a few days after Adam Rappaport um resigned so it's like literally right now People are seeing whether she's going to be kept or she's going to have to resign as well. Yes. So let's see. Yes. Okay. So that is Anna Winter's story. So the next story is going to be Roger Isles, which Wallake will give us some background about. Okay. So I'm sharing on Roger Isles, um, who is the co-founder and ex-CEO of Fox. He was the co-founder of Fox um, TV, Fox News, under Rupert Murdoch. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys already know him and know the story. And if you didn't know him before, after watching TV shows like The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon or Succession, which covered the Murdoch family's lives, you probably, at least even if you don't know the guy's name, you know the story. 
So Roger Isles was the co-founder and CEO of Fox. He founded Fox under Rupert Murdoch um, about 30 years ago. And he led Fox to overtake CNN as the highest um, watched news channel in the U.S. And basically, he molded the network to run like a political campaign. And he made it very friendly to Republican figures and espoused Republican um, ideals and talking points and made the news channel a, a home for the Sarah Palins and um, Donald Trump. And um, during the 2016 presidential race, um, race, Roger Isles, who was friends with Donald Trump, he kind of took an um, informal advisory role for Donald Trump and even helped him prepare for the debates with Hillary Clinton. And um, you guys may remember one of Fox's major anchors, like one of the most famous faces at the time, Megan um, Kelly. Um, she was attacked by Trump during these um, presidential race elections. And, you know, she asked some really tough, challenging questions to him and Donald Trump. Um, responded saying, oh, um, like he, he kept tweeting about her and he said, oh, she's bleeding everywhere. She's bleeding from her eyes. She's bleeding everywhere and made all these disgusting comments um, basically about her being on her period. Um, so I'm sure some of you guys That's what, that's that what 74 year old men do, right? <laughs> tell me about it. As in, so like it's pretty crazy, wild stuff. So the everything blew up because um, someone called Gretchen Carlson, who was also another famous face at Fox, filed a sexual harassment um, accusation against Roger Isles, the CEO. And then 20 other women confirmed, including Megyn Kelly, that they had been sexually intimidated by him. I think Megyn Kelly even pretty much shared that um, he had forced her into having sex when she was a younger reporter. And that's basically how women at Fox got promoted, by being intimidated and forced into sex. And it was a big blow up in the States. But in the end, he resigned and he got a settlement of $45 million from Rupert Murdoch, who then himself took over Fox as CEO. So, you know, when you're watching Succession and The Morning Show, like those are two of my favorite shows. I think Succession mm -hmm. was my favorite show last year and Morning Show has been my favorite show so far this year. And it's produced by Reese Witherspoon. So it's really got a woman's um, feminist angle, but done in a subtle way. So it's great entertainment, but it's very empowering and it's also hilarious. So watch those shows if you haven't already. Um, so that's Roger Isles. And he died, by the way. He died a year after resigning. <laughs> he bought a $36 million home in Palm Beach. <laughs> so most of the money he got off the payoff. And then he fell and died a year later. So he got his payback. But um, yeah, thank so God he didn't. Going yeah. I was going to say, thank God he didn't live long enough to spend all of his money. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so do we think they deserve to be fired or not? So, Shadi, what's your view on both of them? Yeah, so before we go into that, I just wanted to mention one thing about Fox and Trump. So, um, Fox and Fox has literally been basically the state-sponsored media or state um, news agency for the Trump administration. <laughs> um, so yeah, much, yeah, for sure. Yes, so much so that 21 people in the administration for Donald Trump has have also worked for Fox News. Um, so wow, there's literally oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so there's really, literally, we'll post an um, a, a article in the description um, to let you know who those 21 people are. But there's literally a revolving door between both Fox and, and the Trump administration, like no other administration um, that we've seen wow. in modern history, yes. Um, and I just want to add one more thing, sorry, which is that um, when Roger Isles helped found Fox, he was also supporting um, the Reagans and the Nixons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. been a long-standing... It has been. Um, 
organization supporting the Republican Party. And guys, people should also watch the movie Bombshell with Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman. Sorry, not Charlize Theron. Another lady, I forget no, her name. But no, Charlize, Nicole Theron, Kidman. Sh- Charlize Theron is in it. Is in it. So she Charlize is. Theron, Nicole Kidman, and that Australian, um, I can't think of her. She's yeah, an another lady. Yeah. But it, it also covers the same story and it's a great watch. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so my view on the two, so I, I just think it's about time for Anna Wintour to go. Um, even let's even just uh, set aside all of the racist and microaggressions, um, racism and microaggressions that she's displayed. Thirty-two years is too long for one person to be in leadership. Um, it's just crazy. It's too long. Yeah. I remember, and I remember when um, we got a new CFO about two years ago, and one of the first things that he did was to move people, move a, a particular person who's been in a particular position for ten years, um, and he moved him. He he was the head of this um, this this. Uh, business for 10 years and the boss said that there's there's no way that new ideas can foster if someone has been there for 10 years um which i i kind of agree um to that um but i can't imagine that one person being there for 32 years is just way too long um so based off of that alone she needs to go and two like in in 2020 first of all like Vogue really doesn't have the standing that it did 20, 30 years ago. So people and and, um, and people now are more just kind of apt and aware of just racism and things like that. So I just think it gives Vogue a really bad name. Um, and if they want to be seen as modern, if they want to be seen as, um, as, you know, at the forefront of all these fashion innovations, they can't have someone at the head who thinks and behaves this way. So I do believe that she, um, she does have to go. And Roger Isles, like that's a no-brainer he should have gone he shouldn't have got that package um they probably should sue his estate for that package if they're really being seriously petty. yeah if they're really being petty but yeah that's no-brainer he should have gone yeah what are your uh, what are your opinions <laughs> yeah fully aligned with you Anna Wintour 32 years how like as much as I've always loved Vogue Vogue was like my education growing up. I used to plaster the Vogue pictures across my dorm room and I still love Vogue to this day. I adore it. I love British Vogue. I love American Vogue. Um, and it's funny because I really love Edward Enningfold, the um, editor of British Vogue right now. And he's just a visionary and it's amazing to have a black male editor. And he's brought such a breath of fresh air to British Vogue. Like the first person he put on the front cover was Adwa Abwa, the mixed race model when he took the job um year before last and now during uh, he is and now during coronavirus he's done this amazing issue for i think it's the june um june um segment of vogue uh and he's put real life women on the front so health workers frontline workers so i love him i've always liked you know devil west prada like the idea of anna wintour being you know frosty but cool but you know now when i realized 32 years it's just way too long this clearly something wrong happening in an organization that can keep someone at the head for 32 years you're not letting people breathe so I think she needs to go and Vogue has made quite a few faux pas um, with um, racist pictures and weird pictures over the years I think she needs to go <laughs> Roger Isles I don't have anything much to say <laughs> disgusting disgusting when you watch those films you feel sick you feel the pain of the woman in them and it's this intimidation so not only the women that were physically assaulted and who actually had sex with him, which is obviously a criminal That's offense. And, and he was married this whole entire time, by the way. So not oh. only were you not only were you like exactly. sexually harassing people, you were cheating on your wife. But neither here nor there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like um, you know, so it's one thing 
physically assaulting these women, but also that um, emotional abuse and the fear these women had working in Fox, that if they were called to his office, he could literally ask them to give him a blue job or to do anything. And this pressure that if you don't do what I ask you, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your livelihood. And I know people watch these films and hear these stories and they're like, well, how can a woman put herself in that situation? But, you know, you've worked hard. These are like very bright people to have gotten into Fox in the first place. These are ambitious women. And yes, you should never put yourself in that situation if you can help it. But when you're in that situation and you're a young woman, you kind of probably freeze. And um, yeah, I'm sure it's a very, very tough place to be. So he should have gone. Um, So how would I have handled it had I been working in those companies Um, with Anna Wintour? Racist stuff. Wow. (laughs) I would have found the other black people and formed a, you know, black group and, you know, made some petitions and found a way to publicize it. I don't think I would have done what Andre Leon did and wrote a book. (laughs) I would have found it with a group of people who can all back up what she's been doing and brought a proper case forward. How would you have handled it working for Vogue? I would have probably done the millennial thing, which would be to anonymously post um, <laughs> on a website. <laughs> yes. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I can literally like think, you know, of so many people who have done that. Like talk about Refinery29, 29, you talk about all these other companies who've just posted on, uh, all these other employees who've posted on websites anonymously and literally where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, because one person mm. does it and like 10 other people do it. So I would have just probably like either sent like, you know, some evidence to like Wall Street Journal or New York Times or Washington Post, like <laughs> posted on like anonymous thread on Twitter or on Instagram. I would have done something because unfortunately these companies, they're not held to task until you embarrass them publicly. Um, and mm-hmm. if a group, if you know, how many black employees are at Vogue, if five of you come up to them and say, you know, change, they're going to say all of you are fired. Um, (laughs) (laughs) unless you go in with amazing lawyers right you know if you do it properly with amazing lawyers but you know how many how many vogue how many black people are in positions at vogue and of those people probably not a lot and how many can afford great lawyers to sue vogue um so i I think the clean thing to do would just to be embarrassed them publicly and anonymously and then like come out and be like yeah i did it (laughs) you know but it's you know it's hard when you talk about your livelihood and those women who um had to give se- sexual favors to roger isles who literally looks like not that it would make any difference if he looked better but he's literally like disgusting looking <laughs> disgusting he walks with a cane he does, and he's like i'm extremely overweight and i was gonna say grotesquely overweight just disgusting and not that it would make any difference if he was fine um but being sexually harassed with someone who looks like idris alba <laughs> between uh roger <laughs> i was completely different but yeah so no, but your self-worth absolutely. when it's a very old man, 76-year-old, your self-worth. And you think about your livelihood. Your livelihood. Yeah, you think about your livelihood. And the thing about it is that all these companies, you know, blacklist employees, right? So if you, and then who's going to, because Fox is such an extreme network, you're not going to go from Fox to MSNBC or to CBS. Like, they're not going to hire you at other networks because you work for Fox. Uh, and then two, um, he will just blacklist you and talk bad about you. So it's kind of hard. It's a very... In line to walk uh 
to work on. It's so. very hard. Yeah, sorry. I- and I think that's just out to me, sorry, in the shows I watched, that it was very hard for people to cross over from Fox to other networks because Fox is so extreme. Is extreme so yeah. these women were actually stuck. They, I mean, I really recommend The Morning Show because it gives a really good look at how stuck these women felt in Fox. Yeah. So Megan Kelly was was one of the people that come to mind. She was able to kind of successfully um, transition. So she did go from Fox to NBC News. She had a, a TV show for about a year and a half and it failed miserably. Um, and she did some <laughs> racist things, which got her, you know, fired. Wow. Yeah. Um, so not very few people have, because Fox is literally like a, like a bubble of its own. Um, so viewers aren't going to, viewers who watch um, MSNBC or CBS aren't going to want to watch Fox. So yeah, it's, it's hard to transition over. All right. Okay. Um, so if I had been at Fox, what would I have done? Um, I would have, I think I would have done what Gretchen Carlson did. Um, she was very smart and strategic. She actually waited to be fired um, without any cause. And then she hired lawyers. So she really planned it out and took her time. And after she was fired, she filed the case with the top, like the best law firm in New York. And then she waited for other women to come forward. Um, so, yeah, I think I would I think I would do what she did. So we're now going to move on to um, our own um, personal stories. Um, of having bad bosses. So obviously there's different layers, you know, there's crazy stuff like sexual abuse and then there's just, you know, bossy and domineering bosses, which are, are not illegal, but just as irritating or not just as, but irritating. So um, Shade, uh, do you want to go first and give a personal story of a bad boss? Sure. So um, one of my earlier jobs um, was in this, uh, was in this company. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a job in Philadelphia. Um, it was for a public um, public um, department, and uh, we had a boss who did not show up for three months. Um, he was the director. He literally did not show up to work for three months, and he was unreachable. And un- <laughs> one of the sad things that you learn about when you learn about race um, in the workplace was that he was the leader of the team of the department. He was a white man. And everyone underneath him were minority women. So we were literally all picking up his slack. Like we were like, and most notably um, my boss, um, who was um, like a senior manager, um, but she was literally doing his job and her job and being paid just for her job. And we, and she protected him. So she would always say, oh, he's sick or oh, his father's sick. She protected him for three months until the CFO, the CFO had to come in and fire him. Um, But he, and then, and then, so he didn't show up for three months. And then like after three months, maybe he showed up maybe like once or twice and then was gone for another three months. So like in the span of a year, yeah. I maybe saw him three or four times. Um, so it just kind of, um, it just kind of showed me like how these, and then when he got fired, he was okay. His wife was an architect. Um, he didn't need the money. He came from, he came from money. So he just kind of was just like, oh, well, it is what it is. Um, and he was still getting paid um, while he wasn't at work. So they didn't cut his pay. They didn't question where he was. Um, so it just kind of really taught me like that white men can do almost virtually anything and still keep their jobs for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Uh, do you want to yeah. share your story? <laughs> yeah, I'm right. So I had a boss a few years ago. Let me not even give anything away. Um, but he was 
for a short time and he was a really nice guy a very smart guy um but he used to make all sort of crass jokes like when women would come for meetings they would leave then he would make crass jokes like oh she was like really sexy or oh i i would uh, or oh invite her to the next, uh social we do or who so just make these weird comments that were very very weird and especially yeah so in our team it was mainly young women and then him as the boss and another older man so it was just off <laughs> and i just felt very somehow in that situation so to the point where i started wearing like baggier clothes to the office and like not putting on makeup because i saw the way he looked at other women and me and my friend who was a similar age we we both like would just come to the office not looking nice or not wearing tight clothes because we felt weird um and yeah like once in a while i think he did make some comments about us in the office too but it was never so bad that you could really complain it was but just he would, weird would he make those comments to you about like you like would he say oh black are you looking sexy today like no of- nothing yeah, okay. that bad but <laughs> okay. he would say something like oh so you're going to that party mm, i bet you are that's why um like you look nice or something but i mean you know i don't i don't really know how to explain it but things that made you feel uncomfortable but i was also a bit younger so like a lot younger to be honest so if that happened to me now <laughs> it would even happen to me now because <laughs> yeah i've learned over the years to be not even allow that sort of behavior i don't know how to put it because sometimes you just can't help the situation that you're in um but anyway i left the company i didn't stay there for long that was one of the reasons and actually we're now on good terms because once in a while um i keep in touch for things that i need for work um but i make sure i'm never like meeting him alone because it's just awkward so yeah that's one of my stories i've also had you know bosses who have been like intimidating in terms of putting a lot of pressure not recognizing work not saying thank you not being encouraging trying to you know divide and conquer so pit people against each other so i've had all sorts of bosses and now i'm the um uh company lead for my business in nigeria i really take into account you know the bad experiences i've had to try and avoid that as far as i can um so that's it for me um we're going to move into our tips um so shade do you want to give your tips for dealing with bad very very bad bosses yes so i just have one um and it's going to be it sounds really harsh but it's just reality um when situations like this occur and you maybe want to go to um hr you want maybe even hire a lawyer or anything you need to think about the potential benefits versus the potential consequences. Um, because nine times out of 10, these companies tend to um, agree or align with the boss um, versus um, the employee uh, who's impacted. Um, and unfortunately, we all have bills, you all need to eat, you all have families um, to support. So um, you have to think about the benefits versus the consequences and just think, do I really, and then some industries are very small. So you do have the risk of being blacklisted, whether within a country or within an industry, yeah. right? Um, so you, mm-hmm. need to think of, you need to weigh those two options. Um, and sometimes the best option is to just leave and try to go into another company. I know it just, it doesn't sound like great, but it's it the reality. Sound great. <clears throat> but it's the reality, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, so that's so, just my tip. Yeah, my tip is related, but let's say the opposite viewpoint because <laughs> Shadi knows about 
a really bad situation I had with a bad boss that I can't share publicly. Um, and, you know, I wish I had been bolder faster to speak mm-hmm. up as soon as something wrong is happening. Do not even entertain it for a minute and be willing to be strong about it and, you know, get a good lawyer. If you need to speak to someone extremely senior, but only when you have a way to back yourself, never expect the company you're in to have your back. They will always protect the company and the economics before you. Um, And if you can't be that bold and do it properly with a lawyer, then I do agree with Shadi. Then um, be careful because you can be blacklisted or you will, you will more likely come out worse, especially if you're the only one complaining and there's not a group around you. So be smart, be strategic. Um, speak to people you trust. Try and speak to people outside your company first because you just don't know <laughs> who's talking to you. Um, and then, you know, if, you're, if you are going through this, the um, emotional advice I have is separate yourself from a, your work, know your worth, know the value you bring, know your badass, and don't let things happening in the office affect your self-esteem and have a life outside your work. And don't, don't take all these things too personally. It's, it's very hard, hard to do but try not to try and separate work from who you are you are not your work is not the entirety of who you are um so so that is my tip agreed with okay. everything you said <laughs> all right okay so that's it for our section on very 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 bad bosses so we'll be moving into our wild card section this week which is on holiday mishaps and travel mishaps Welcome to our wildcard segment. Today, we're going to be talking about travel mishaps. So first of all, we're going to tell you um, some facts about travel, and then we'll be sharing some personal travel disasters. So over to you, Shadi. So for our first fact, um, on average, Americans will spend $1,978 on summer vacations. I'm trying to decide, is that a lot? Um, it, well, it depends on where you're traveling to, because 1,000 of that could just easily be a, a plane ticket. Um, if you're traveling that's internationally. Per that's per year. On, or, on, a, or on summer vacations. Or I don't know, maybe it's, um, maybe it is per year. Vacation. It, does mm. sound, it does sound kind of low, so yeah. But mm-hmm. on to you for the next fact. Millennials are 13% more likely to travel to a destination with cultural or historical significance. 40% of millennial travelers will take a vacation with their friends in the next year. Love it. 80% of families take a vacation during summer and 42% of families take a spring break vacation. 24% 24% of Americans travel internationally. That's really, really low. <laughs> so low. <laughs> you know what? I would love to share these facts for um, European travel, or let's say UK travel, and for Nigerian travel. This yeah. is fascinating. So this is saying, so the one I just shared, so 80% take a summer vacation, but only 24% of Americans travel internationally. So I, I imagine it would be like flipped upside down in England where I would say a heck of a lot more people travel internationally. And then in Nigeria, um, I guess those who can definitely travel internationally. People are not taking vacation 
in Nigeria that were tra- definitely trying to escape. <laughs> <laughs> and that probably makes sense for the low spend because it seems like more Americans travel nationally. So it's also big, true. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Because, um, yeah, $2,000 is kind of interesting. Just thinking about like a plane ticket can be $2,000 um, to Europe. But yeah. I have to say, like, until I lived in America, I didn't understand it. I was like, ah, why? Why don't Americans travel? Like, what is wrong with them? But, like, after living in New York, and there were so many places in the States. Remember, Shadi? Yeah. We wanted to go to New Orleans. We wanted to go to so many places that we barely, like, got through our bucket list. Because there's so there's much so to do. so many places. Like, yeah. And there's so much diversity. And, like, and there's so much diversity. And there's so much diversity in the places. So like my friend and I are um, are looking at places to go and it's like, it runs the gamut. We're looking at places in the South, we're looking at places in the Northeast. So even though like I'm in the Northeast, you can go up to Rhode Island, up to Canada. Like there's so many places that you can visit. So um, even, even just between Canada, US and Mexico. Um, that And then also like one of the things that like someone I think from London said to me is that the US is so far. So I think because we're so isolated from like Europe and the rest of like the world, we just kind of stay in our own, own little bubble um, and travel <laughs> and travel within our within our bubble. Yeah, but I have such a long list of places I actually want to go to. Like my next thing I wanted in the US is a ski trip. Like I really want to go to Aspen. Yeah, um, yeah, and then I'm really keen to go to the national parks. Um, so there's the, I just have a very long list and I'm really keen to go to Big Sur and like do a road trip on the West Coast. Yeah. So there's just so much to do. Yeah, I'm planning a road trip now. I think I really want to go to Nashville. Um, yeah, but I also want to go to Atlanta and like I, I want to drive to these places and it's all kind of like being in the Northeast, I think maybe like Nashville's 10 hours from me. So it's kind of doable in terms of a road trip. Um, but yeah, there's so many places to visit here. Nice. Yep. So we're going to get into our travel mishaps um, and share our stories. Uh, Valaka has the first story. Yes. So um, the first story I'm going to share is when I ended up in the wrong country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, basically, the reason we're doing this section is we have major wanderlust. Like I had so many plans for this year. Like luckily enough for me, so far this year, I've already been really, really lucky. And just before lockdown, I was in Cape Town and that was amazing. Um, and earlier this year, I was also in Kenya and um, I was in um, Copenhagen at the beginning of the year. Um, so that's been great. Um, so um, we're basically reflecting on amazing trips we've had in the past. Um, and my first horror story was when I was at university and it was my first summer. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. It wasn't my undergraduate. It was my graduate um, degree. I'd just finished and it had been extremely stressful. And I had planned this mammoth trip for the summer after graduating um, that I was going to go straight after my exams to um, firstly to Dominica, where a really good friend of mine um, was living and doing a medical degree. And then I was going to go to Japan and then I was going to go after Japan um, to the States. So I, if you guys remember back in the day in England, STA travel, you could get really cheap tickets. It still exists. You can get very cheap tickets and you get a discount as a student. So I booked this mammoth round the world ticket, they were called, mm-hmm. to go to um, 
what I thought was Dominica and then to Japan <laughs> to the States. And basically, like one week before I was due to go, I sent my friend in Dominica my travel details. I was like, hey, pick me up from this airport. I'm landing at this time. I sent her my ticket. And she was like, Rolaka, you have booked the wrong country. I do not live there. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I don't live there. She was like, and it was, I booked a ticket to Dominican Republic. I knew you were going to say Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you literally said Dominica and I went, went to the wrong, tr- uh, wrong country. And she probably went to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> did you know they were two different countries? I did, I did, I did. <laughs> You are so Dominica, I think, intelligent. I think Dominica either currently is or recently was a British territory. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, yeah. I, I didn't know that. This was several years ago, I may add. <laughs> so last year, I had to like scramble and be like, crap, how do I get to Dominica? So I had to like go back to STA travel and they were like, hey, sorry, you know, you booked the cheapest ticket of life. So you <laughs> have to go to the Dominican Republic. And so what I did was I got another flight from the Dominican Republic to Dominica. Oh and I had God. to do Puerto Rico. It was super random. And then I finally got to Dominica. Um, but what I will say, it was a blessing in disguise because I got to the Dominican Republic and I had like a day's layover. So I literally got a taxi from outside the airport, went to the beach and I lay by the beach for like, you know, five hours. And it was beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, beautiful blue waters, white sands. And I went back to the airport and I flew to Dominica via Puerto Rico. So that's my first story. Okay. <laughs> my parents, so at least you found out before you flew. My parents did that. Um, they were going to go to Canada for um, a family event. A family friend lives in Canada and they booked a ticket for Ontario CA. And they got to the airport. Okay. They, they always run late to every single flight that they had. So they ended up missing the flight, which was a blessing in disguise. They got to the airport um, and they were like, Yeah, you're going to California because there's a place in California called Ontario CA. And, it, and, and they, didn't, they didn't realize that Ontario was a state. So it's like booking a ticket for New Jersey, USA. So like. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so thank God their lateness made them miss the flight and they were able to um, change it. But yeah, I'm sure that's not a, it's a very common thing. Oh my gosh, yeah. hallelujah. <laughs> so my, What's your first story? My first story happened last year. Um, I turned 30 last year and a friend and I um, and two other uh, friends went to Mexico City um, and we um, stayed in an Airbnb. So Mexico, we, went, we stayed in our, and um, I forget the name of the city, but we stayed in the central area. Um, and then we decided to go out because in the central areas of um, of um Mexico City, they're very European, and there's a lot of like international people. They wanted to be where the locals were, so we got it. Uh, we got an Uber, and we went outside of the central area. Um, and one of the things about going outside the central area is that you're exposed to more crime and all these other things, right? So we were in our and more uh, corruption <laughs> by the police. Um, so we were we I literally wanted to go to a seaside uh, um, dock area, and uh, we were in a taxi or in an Uber, and as soon as the Uber turned a corner, a police car turned um, the reverse corner, and they saw us in the car. So we were all black. Um, what? Yeah, we were all black. Um, and the police officer, as soon as they saw us, they did a U-turn and put the lights on. The Uber driver did. The Uber driver pulls over um, and speaks to the police officer, 
uh, the Uber driver didn't speak much uh, English, but he basically translated to us that um, the police officers thought that we were South American migrants who were trying to get into the U.S. So at this time, <laughs> yes, at this time, this was when, when Trump was talking about the migrant caravan and all these migrants trying to get into the U.S. And, yeah, and um, people in South America, so like in um, parts of Brazil and parts of Ecuador and Paraguay, they're brown, right? So it wasn't yeah. far, it wasn't far fetched far fetched that we would be from those countries, but we clearly, I mean, didn't look like migrants. We weren't dirty. Like we literally like were dressed as <laughs> So um, in Mexico, when you travel, they give you this like invitation, like sticker or whatever. You're supposed to carry it on you. It's in your passport. I didn't have mine on me because I don't carry my passport when I travel um, internationally because it could get lost or stolen. Um, But thank God one of our friends, one of our, um, the people in our group did and was able to show them. But all they essentially did, they they wanted money. Um, There were four male cops and they wanted to pat us all down. There was three females. And, and one guy in my group um, and they wanted the they wanted a, a female police officer to come in and pat us down and this woman was supposedly coming um, and just never showed up and they just literally wanted to see how long we would wait before we gave them money um, and they harassed wow. they, they harassed the guy in our group the most um, they made us like what did they came, do so we just came from shopping um, and they made us empty all of our um, all of our bags. Um, they searched our things. Um, they spent the most time with him. Um, and they ended up taking his medication. He had prescription medication. They ended up taking it. Um, and we didn't know this at the time, but he gave them money. I forget how much, but I think it might have been the equivalent of 60 or $70. And after he <laughs> gave them, yeah, after he gave them money, um, he they let us go. And all this time, this is like about an hour and a half. So I'm texting my family in our family group chat, letting them know. And um, trying to see if they can call like the American embassy, like, but it was a Saturday, so the embassy was closed. It was just a mess. Like, I, I wasn't fearful. I was more like fearful that they didn't speak English, not that they like stopped us because me, we're, we're Nigerians. I'm used to dealing with like corrupt police people, but mm-hmm. at least we're all, we all speak the same language, right? Um, but they ended up letting us go. We didn't know that the guy gave um, our guy friend and the group gave him money, gave them money until afterwards, um, but it kind of ruined our whole entire day. And we literally were like, screw it. Let's go back. This whole entire time, the Uber meter was running, by the way. Um, (laughs) So it ended up being like a really expensive Uber trip. um, But we did contact Uber and explain to them. Uh, But we were like, screw it. Let's go back to the tourist area. So we were in Condessa. That was the name of the place. Like, let's go back to Condessa. Let's, like, not even try to, like, mix with the locals. Because here's what happens when you do. Um, <laughs> like to be honest right? so we just ended up like it's so funny because we were like we're gonna go to something american so we ended up going to uh, a tgif friday inside of the small which is like <laughs> TGI friday yes. in mexico yes. no yes. And we actually ended up having a good time but we were, it was kind of like it didn't ruin the trip but it just can't get, ruined the day That's for us yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like nigeria just give yeah. them money yeah, but like when you don't have that, unfortunately, like, so there's two things there's a language barrier and there's also a racial element. Because, yeah, you know, basic. we're black For in sure. their country. So, For sure. Yeah. So that was the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, Malaka, you're next. <laughs> okay. So, Shade gave us. Um, uh, kind of themes for these stories. So Shadi gave me the theme story of when I had to encounter the police when I was abroad. So I was like, I don't know what type of holidays you think of me, don't know. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I don't have one as juicy as the one you just shared, but still a pretty funny trip. So this was um, 
this was in uni and I went to visit um, a friend of mine who was an exchange student from UCLA to my university in England in our first year. And then she moved back to um, UCLA and I went to visit her and it was my first time in LA and it was uh, second year of university and it was like the best trip of life because at the beginning of the trip, I spent a couple of weeks in New York um, with my friend Philippa. Actually, not just a couple of weeks. I was there for a while. I was doing this work America thing, but I never actually got a job, right? I just went to- <laughs> This trip where you're meant to go to America at work, but I did not work. I just went to party. And then um, after New York, I went to see my friend Sarah in um, LA. And we decided to go and visit another guy who had been on exchange at Durham, who was at Stanford. So we went to Stanford. And um, I just remember that we um, went to his home, like his dorm room, but it was like a proper house. I think he was like a final year student. So he had a, re- a really, really nice house on the Stanford campus. Um, and then I remember that um, everybody was um, doing weed and I had never, ever, ever tried weed. And I'd, oh, I, I was the girl who was always like telling people, oh, how can you ever smoke weed? Like you should never, ever, ever do weed. But I was like, so ah, I'm going to interrupt not- and I'm going to say, it's, I find it hilarious that you say do weed. <laughs> I got old Nigerian parents. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an old woman now. <laughs> I'm an old woman, you know me, I'm so old. So, so I was there and I was like, you know what, I'm always like the goody tissue, so let me just see what this thing is after all. So um, so I, I tried the weed, I guess I smoked the weed, is that what people say? And I remember that my friend, Sarah, didn't. Um, and, you know, both of us we were like very Christian girls, part of our Christian union, and she didn't, and I did. And I remember like it went it was my first time ever trying it. It went straight to my head. And I just remember being very, very self-conscious. Um, like oh, thinking everybody was listening to everything I was saying. I was really paranoid. And I remember being really hungry. So we went to, I think it was in and out. We went to get burgers. And I remember them being the del- most delicious burgers I'd ever had in my life. I just remember thinking this is amazing. No, in and out burger is like a thing in the US. They is only it? Ha- they only have it on the West Coast, I believe. Um, okay. But it's like a thing. It's like gourmet burgers. Oh, wow. Because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I was coming back to um, his house on campus and we were walking and it was nighttime. And then I, we heard some police sirens and everybody split. Everyone ran off in different directions. And I didn't know where I was. I was in this random campus. I didn't, and it's huge. So we yeah. all split. And I ended up in someone's backyard. It was like a <laughs> random backyard. I was like, what, what is this? Where am I? And like, I was like, Kai, Lord, that, let me not get arrested in America. For a week. wrong in my life. And I will now be imprisoned. And um, but yeah, luckily, I guess it was all in my head. Most of it was in my head. I'm sure the police were not coming that close to us anyway. But um, yeah, so nothing happened. Uh, went home, woke up, and everything was fine. That's yeah. Funny. So that's what, so uh, so in New in DC, um, weed is it's not. I don't know if it's legalized, but it's decriminalized. So they people don't get arrested for smoking weed. So you like those who are new to DC, one of the things you first immediately recognize is that it smells like weed every single where. <laughs> but like, like today i'm talking about like you know yeah, this 12, 15 years yeah yeah it yeah. was a big deal back then i it think was a, it was a big deal but i think california was the first in the u.s to legalize um 
rec- recreational weed. But yeah, it was a big thing. It was a, when I was in college, it was a big thing still. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's your next story? So my next story um, happened last summer. Um, I went to Germany for a work trip um, and uh, I was meeting up with a friend um, who works for the same company who um, was doing an assignment in Germany. She was, uh, was there for a year. It was a three-year assignment, and we actually used to work together. Um, so she's from Mexico, um, and we would work together um, in our in her old function. So we spoke a lot um, over IM and over Skype, but I've actually never physically met her. So when I was going there, I knew that she was there, and I was like, hey, let's go and grab um, some dinner. So we went to grab dinner, caught up, um, and, you know, talking about her experience in Germany. She kind of reminded me of you being in Denmark because a lot of the, her issues were similar to yours. Um, and you okay. were in Denmark, um, and we were chit-chatting, not recognizing the time. So, a uh, big part of the story is that I had a car. I was renting a car, and I parked in a parking garage in a mall. And we ate at a, a place right across from the parking garage. Right, so the parking garage closed at eight o'clock, and it was like seven thirty, and we were still chit-chatting. We decided to get some ice cream and just walk, and you know, whatever. So we parted ways um, at like eight o five. I walk back to um, the, the, the mall at like 8.10 and the mall closes at 8, but I'm just like, I'm sure they would give like 10, 15 minutes for people to get out, you know, and you'd get their cars out of the parking garage. So I go into the mall at 8.10 and, well, I walk to the mall at 8.10 and I can't even get into the mall because everything is closed. Oh no. <laughs> and this is in Germany and Germany. Um, so I, I don't believe any parts of Germany has Uber, but I'm pretty sure, I know that for sure this area doesn't have Uber and I'm pretty sure actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's no Uber. So I couldn't even, I knew that there was an Uber in this part that maybe in being one of the major cities. Um, so I'm like, oh my God. And it's 8, 10, 8, 10 in, the, in the evening. So I'm like, oh my God. And I was like 30 minutes from my hotel and this place was like definitely a, a commercial place. So it was like dead because um, all the commercial stores were closed. So I was like, what am I going to do? So um. I see a few stragglers and I, I go up to this girl and I said, hi, do you speak English? And she says, yes. And I said, and I explained what happened. I said, I got locked out. Um, I need to get my car so I can go home. And she sees like on the, um, there's like a wall and it says like, call like, hold, um, call mall security if you have issues. So she calls them, speaks in German and um, she gives the phone back to me and says, um, they'll be here in 30 minutes. She explained that I was sitting in the front of the mall and they'll come and I was like, oh my God, 30 minutes. And I was like, whatever, at least it's something, right? So sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. I like call my, I text my friend on WhatsApp um, and then 30 minutes passes and these two guys come and um, these two guys uh, work at the mall, not mall security, but they work at the mall. And of course they don't speak English. So I can't even explain to them my issue. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. So um, they, so these guys end up seeing a random black guy and figure he's black. He must know what she speaks because she's black. And thank God the boy did speak English. Oh, <laughs> exactly. But I was like, I explained to them and then they explained. Um, so I, he, he explained to um, them uh, my situation and they said, okay. Um, that they'll help unlock the um, unlock the uh, the garage, uh, oh, and that, yeah, and that okay, I'll just pay. Um, and I said, okay, I have my debit card. So one of the things I also didn't realize um, was that Germany is also cashless. I'm not mm-hmm. sorry. They're um, sorry. They're they're a cash society, not cashless. So they actually only like they mostly only um, 
uh, use cash. So they actually said, no, we don't accept debit cards. So I actually ended up having to go to the ATM and withdrawing like a hundred, um, a hundred euros just to pay like a $5, um, a five pound, a five euro, uh, a parking, uh, uh, ticket. And even at that, like they, it only gave me like 50, like 20 euros at a time. It was a mess. I ended up having to like give them money so they can like give me a lower, a smaller bill, but it was, it was so bad. And then like the parking garage, because it was closed, I had to walk up the ramp with them. And the ra- it was like pitch black. And I'm like walking up the oh, ramp God. with two strangers. So I'm on the phone with my friend in the US. And I'm texting her. I was like, if you don't hear from me in five minutes, please call me. <laughs> like, I'm walking up a pitch black ramp with these. And then God, like, yeah. I mean, they nothing ended up happening. But I was like so scared. And I got my car. Um, I thanked them. I even tried to give them money and they didn't take it. Um, uh, but I thanked them. And I like, I seriously just drove straight out of there. I'm like... <laughs> I didn't get back to the hotel till like this whole ordeal took about an hour. I didn't get back to the hotel till like ten thirty. Um, oh, it, it was such a mess, um, and I was like, since then I like went to the ATM the day after, took out like a whole bunch of cash. I'm like, I'm never getting stuck um, without cash again. But it was really, it was a funny story to tell everyone. Um, but it was a really long trip. I was there for like two weeks. Um, and it was just kind of like one thing after another. So yeah, it was definitely a memory to have. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds sounds like a good trip, although a stressful situation. It was really stressful. Um, but it was I got a great story out of it. Cool. Yeah. So do we want to share our travel tips next August? Yeah. So why don't you go first? Okay. So I we're in this uh part of this uh, segment we're going to actually share some travel trips um travel tips uh for those who like to travel or um to avoid some of the mishaps that we've run into so um my first travel uh, tip is to always research um the place that you're going to and particularly the weather pattern so um i'm still planning to go on a trip this year i want to go to south africa in december and the reason i chose december um was because it is their summertime in South Africa. Um, so I wouldn't have known that if I didn't research it. So always research, um, research the local laws. Um, and finally, don't travel with people that you're not comfortable with. Um, <laughs> I yeah. Re- yeah, I recently got invited uh, to go somewhere with some people and I said no, <laughs> because uh, they're my friends, but I don't know if I would have like, I, I don't know how it would be if I traveled with them um, for three or four days at a time. So I said no, and I made up kind of an excuse. Um, but yeah, so don't try. I mean, just say no. It's okay to say no. Um, travel with people that you're okay with spending an elongated amount of time with um, that, you know, can afford to do the things that you want to do because you also don't want to be supporting people while you're traveling. Um, but yeah, always make sure that you're comfortable with who you're going with. Yeah. So like, do you have any travel trips? travel tips yeah I do so I'm, I'm a pretty risky traveler like my friends and family will tell you I go to the most random places I don't plan I plan when I get there and I've been coming out alive so far <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so I'm really I, I am a risk taker and I you know I'm the type of sort of person like for example I went volunteering in this safari game reserve when I was like 23 in South Africa and I wasn't really enjoying it because we didn't get to play with the lion cubs like they had promised on the website <laughs> so I was like I'm out so I left the game reserve and I just went along with a um, French girl I just met and we decided to 
take some local buses to um, another part of South Africa oh, wow. and like just go to the seaside. Yeah, we just went randomly and I just went with her. I didn't know her from anywhere and it was amazing. So, so I'm pretty um, free when it comes to traveling. Um, so I'd say my travel tips is just make sure you have your money, your bank cards, your phone numbers, um, your phone is roaming so you can call if you need help. Um, be open to new people, new experiences. Um, yeah, obviously try and be safe. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just have access to be able to call for help if you need it. And yeah, of course, only hang out with people who seem sane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, but um, be, be, caref- be careful where you, you can. That's it for our wildcard segment this week. We hope you enjoyed our stories and the other segments today. Thank you for tuning in. We also want to hear from you. We want to hear um, your thoughts on how you're enjoying the episode so far. Yes, thank you for listening. And you can share your thoughts on the episodes um, on our social media. So we're now on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Other Side of the Atlantic and on Twitter at Side of the Atlantic. So you can follow us for additional content. Um, and previews to upcoming episodes and you can also dm us dm us um, with suggestions and just general comments on the episodes Um, we would love to hear from you Um, so please do follow us on both platforms until Until next time time. (laughs) are we still are we still Oh my god! Like end the segment. That's why I was like, I was trying to.